0: This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to Deluxe Edition Network.com. That's Deluxe Edition Network.com. Hold on to that. Welcome
1: back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn, Millennials.
0: not know that even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill you want to be my wife oh this is gonna go
1: downhill real quick
0: what is going on and welcome to take on the world with johnny and mike d and the podcast therapy dog Cocoa Jean. Oh,
1: she's looking for food.
0: She is. She's looking. I feel for bad,
1: food. but I don't want to get her to the squirts.
0: She got some of that hot sauce. She called squirts anyway. It was on that piece that got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are once again. It is. Oh, you're right there. I'm about to die. Some of that hot sauce, like just, <laughs> just hit Dang. me.
1: Can we just like do a quick promo for these hot sauces?
0: We can. They don't they don't owe us nothing. I
1: know, but Okay, so this is the first, like, uh, I came over to Mike's house, and we usually like to uh, eat sausage and cheese, right?
0: Sausage, cheese, or, okay. or some kind of smoked meat.
1: Ring, uh, hot ring bologna. And uh, so I bought some sausage and cheese, and we came down to record. In the I dungeon. Said, I said, grab some crackers and hot sauce. He's he what well, hot sauce. I said, surprise me. So he brings down these three. Uh I'm probably gonna pick this up.
0: You can just get closer to the camera.
1: Oh boy, oh boy.
0: That's extreme regret.
1: Extreme. That's the first one I had. And like it dumped out on the on my cracker and my sausage and cheese. And I was like, oh fuck it.
0: Yeah. If you're doing it on crackers and sausage, a dot. A dot'll <laughs> do you. A,
1: a dot will do. Not the no, uh a dab's too far. And uh Just to let you know, this has a a skull with a scorpion coming out of its mouth, holding a Carolina Reaper pepper in one mouth or one claw and a Trinidad scorpion pepper in the other claw. (laughs) Okay, so that was really hot. It probably took about 20 minutes for that to dissipate. And then our
0: favorite. This stuff is a house favorite. Nathan loves that one. I
1: don't know if you can see that; it's kind of blurry. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, this is uh,
1: from the Pepper Palace, which I believe is in Tennessee. Yes, Saraville, Tennessee. This is called Fusion, a Reaper and Garlic Hot Sauce.
0: And that one is it's it's got a little bite to it. It's hot, but it's it's more subtle. Yeah. And it's like you get more flavor with that when you get to taste the right. garlic and your food.
1: It doesn't burn for twenty minutes. Nope. Um, and then, well, actually, let me let me back this up with: I was down in Delaware. I found a warehouse on the strip of uh, Route One, and it was called the Pepper Palace. And you walk in there, and it's like a warehouse full of hot sauces, salsas. You name it, barbecue sauces. You there's little dipping cups. You can sample everything. And <clears throat> why I got this was, I was like, "Yo, my buddy likes hot sauce, and I want to, I want to um, get something that he'll like." And I had something in my hand, and the guy takes it out of my hand, puts it on the shelf. And he goes, "Are you trying to kill him?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I'm like, I'm like, he just want something like him and his his son and his family will enjoy." And he gave me this.
0: And we enjoy it.
1: So, great. Perfect.
0: Absolutely. Good call. Yeah. And then <clears throat> we have the tiger sauce.
1: Tiger sauce, which...
0: Which is more of a sweet heat. Very sweet. I would say probably orient, would, oriental style. I would sauté that with...
1: I would sauté a meat and then put that on. It end. says
0: for meat, seafood, and anything else that can stand up to sweet heat. Yeah. This is very... This is good. This I, is this is my favorite. And the extreme, extreme regret, if you put <clears throat> as much as he put on his cracker in a pot of chili, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, I bet it, Yeah. Because it did have a really good, it wasn't like, like, knock your face off
0: until it was just super hot until it sat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I nah. might be, I might be saying this, uh, something different. I mean, I might be singing a different tune tomorrow night. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this super hot extreme. Regret would be perfect in a chili, uh, any kind of stew dish that you like that's hot.
0: now let's be clear. None of these are sponsors of this this wonderful program. Um, <clears throat> but it's just our personal it's, experience. This is shit what we like, man. Yeah, shit we so like. This is a sponsor of the program. This is the last of my glass of it's the last of my glass. This is called Naked Uh, this is a home brew. I made this because my son turns 21 on tuesday and uh this is my favorite style of beer and mm. he has sipped my beer in the past and he decided that he also likes the mars in style um so i wasn't supposed to tap this till his birthday but i couldn't wait any longer um very good i i, I love this beer. is
1: there going to be any left for his birthday yes i got
0: five and a half gallons is there going to be any left for his birthday? there might be a gallon gone <laughs> uh excellent beer uh if excellent. you if you go back in in the the annals of history here for uh take on the world we did brew a double october fest a few years ago and it came out fucking horrible wait no is that the pretzel beer no the pretzel beer is the one i made last year
1: oh the one with yes yeah
0: that was oh yeah that was that was bad
1: but then you did you you made a comeback and you brewed the pretzel beer
0: and i it was
1: another marzen style
0: yep i brewed the the belgian strong ale
1: yeah which i think you had kind of perfected here
0: this one this one is much like the one that i entered in a contest and won first place with yeah
1: um i mean dude if i went out to a uh bar i would i would order that legit oh absolutely multiple times
0: yes uh i, I will say even <laughs> there is a professional brewer that i know who said that it is very 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 good and he would not blow smoke up my behind he- so uh, uh we are talking about the deluxe edition we are part of deluxe edition network uh it's a group of podcasters there's something for everybody's tastes you want to check them out at uh, deluxeeditionnetwork.com. And while you're there, you're going to check out the podcast of the month or Spotlight podcast. I call it something different every month. So I'm going to throw it both in there. Uh, this month, for the month of October, it's horror October. So we have the Graveyard Club. And we have... My
1: favorite time of year.
0: I know, mine too. Now now the good horror movies are coming on. So, uh, And uh, Terror Tuesday... Uh, Terra Tuesday is an Instagram only podcast. Uh, I'm not
1: sure how that works. How does you, that work? You
0: just go live.
1: I don't know anything about
0: it. I don't go live because we have a lot of shit we got to cut out.
1: <laughs> I think. Oh, okay. So it's all, I got you. It's all live. Yeah. That might not work for us. We'll um, probably be living in a bridge down by the river.
0: Yeah. In a van down, in by, the van, river. down by the bridge, <laughs> down by the river. <laughs> uh, so, make sure you check out the spotlight podcast this month. Uh, I will say all of the podcasts on the deluxe edition network are great podcasts at high quality production. And um, I enjoy watching and listening to them all. And I think you will too. So check them out. So we're going to take a short break to refill our beer glasses. And then we'll be right back with our topic of the day. (laughs) Uh, we're here to talk about Copper John's Beard Company. I bought some of this stuff, and I, I love it. Uh, everybody has their favorite beard care products, but if you want to save a few bucks, use TOTW10 uh, at checkout, or use the quick link below, and buy some of this great stuff. Like,
1: Look at that beautifully tamed bare mane. So soft. And, you know, my beard, if you want to call it that, it's more like pubes on my face. See, He doesn't use it. Um, do. <clears throat> it gets wiry so if i can just tame that a little bit put more copper johns on there and it's perfect
0: and even though i have thick hair when i put it on my hair is nice and soft yes softer did you want to touch johnny Go Go Mm -hmm. Go okay don't touch me
1: (laughs) are you looking for a place for all things horror and don't know where to go
0: well you've came to the right place my friend we had a Graveyard Club podcast for all your horror needs. Visit us on YouTube and Spotify, and you can follow us over on Instagram at the Graveyard Club pod. See you there. Ciao. We are back, and we're going to jump right into our topic for today. Um... Uh, Keeping current with things that are going on now. Uh, you came up with this. And, well,
1: uh, <clears throat> I, well, what year was this?
0: Um, that he's doing all this.
1: He's bringing this to light.
0: I, I think it just came. That, that, well, the interview was just recent.
1: Well, that's what I thought.
0: That Because there's just a few interviews up with him. And he... he they're doing some kind of movie or something. Okay. Documentary. I don't know. Uh, this is Nate Kraft, Nathaniel Kraft, uh, also known as Boone. Um, he is a former hitman accused of killing 30 people. Um, now, I- I'm going to say is this fact or fiction?
1: Oh, that's the. First thing that you said to me when I came on, when we just think about the episode, and you're like, I think it's bullshit.
0: I think a lot of what he says is bullshit. I don't know. I could be wrong, but times and dates don't match up for me properly. Well, that's a, that's a big, that's a, that's kind of big. I mean. Yeah. Like, if I served in World War
1: II, uh, you might want to kind of be born around the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, not born. You want to be born 15, 16 years before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So we'll get to that. But I don't know. (laughs) There are so many things that are unverifiable, and some things he just refused to talk about. So this guy's on this interview saying how he killed people, but he won't talk about this or that or the other thing. And then I won't talk about that. So... (laughs) Uh, he was born March 25th, 1957. Now keep that in mind. 1957, Detroit, Michigan. Um, <laughs> you, you, you never find out what his parents' names are. You never find out what their profession was. You know he has siblings, but you have no idea who they are. There's nothing, nothing specific about him except for his younger brother, who I think was nicknamed Boo. Um, Suppose he was killed while he was in the car with his bigger brother.
1: Boone. Or a different brother.
0: No, Boone. Boone was driving and Boo got killed? Uh, Boone and his little brother were both passengers in the car and his, his brother got killed. If I heard it right. I think by the time he got to that part of the story, I was really... Not paying attention to uh, a lot really? of really, a lot of what he you Why do you gotta keep fucking with it? I'm trying to make it my own. <laughs> Every time you try to make it your own, it flops, dude. You, you got a limp wiener there.
1: Oh, I was like, it's tight as fuck. I, was, I would, up, it just like slipped down. Like there was like
0: nothing holding it. You go crank that till you break it. Oh, probably good thing we have two more. Jesus Christ, God so for bed. So his education is also questionable. He may or may not have been a high school graduate. So so far, this is a boring fucking episode because you know nothing about him.
1: So he may or may
0: he may or may not have been a person. Uh, apparently, he had a ch- uh, a hard childhood. Um, he talked about <clears throat> oh. being involved in selling heroin at age nine, and. When he was asked, hey, where, where are your parents during all this? You know, where, where were they? Oh, they, they was working. Huh? And they just let a nine-year-old run the streets of Chicago selling well, heroin? Well,
1: I mean, now, I, I yeah, I can see that.
0: Bro, you got to hustle, dude. Well, it is. That's 57. That's, gotta, that, I,
1: I mean, I, what I envision that's is... That's
0: 1966.
1: You got parents that are working, probably some shit job, maybe at the auto industry. They ain't making men's meat. Make a, I ain't make him ends meet and
0: you know, hey, you gotta go hustle, dude. I, I, but nine years old, yeah. Uh, he also claimed to commit his first murder at age nine or be involved in a murder at age nine. Uh, the story he was telling is they were slinging their heroin and they went back to the guy who pays them he called him an accountant and they said look you gotta you gotta break off a bigger piece for us you know we want more money for what we're doing we're removing product we want a little bit more money and the dude looked at him and said i will beat your ass (laughs) and at nine years old this kid goes that's one one what he goes we just want to get paid what we're worth He goes, I said, I will beat your ass. He goes, that's two. And the dude started to say something else and they popped him and killed him, took all his shit, buried him in the backyard. So he's burying a dude in the backyard at nine years old. Uh, He steals (laughs) all his stuff. He said they must not have buried him too deep because they stayed at his house until the stench was so bad that they could no longer stay there. I just, it
1: just I don't know man have you seen like what's going on in the world today with kids and this and that but this is 1966 I, I don't care like 1966 in Chicago was crazy
0: hold on not Chicago did I say Chicago
1: you said Detroit Detroit,
0: Detroit. <clears throat> I always get those two mixed up I do too because they're both shitholes but
1: Detroit like I I can totally see this playing out. Really? Yes. Look at Philadelphia. Look at uh, Detroit now. Look at Michigan now. Like it's fucking crazy. But kids were
0: yes. Kids back then were afraid of the cops. Eh, They're not mm, now.
1: Mm, I. Mm.
0: I don't know. It, it. I don't know. It just seems a little. I think. I think if you're if you're seems a little out on the edge
1: for me. If you're if you're poor, you're hustling. Like it's like look at look at the facility that we inherited and how we couldn't do anything because they they were always said like the kids are like kids in a correctional facility, the like the worst fucking kids ever. Oh yeah. You, you can't do anything. No. And they just they know that. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think I think so the dude, I've I've seen so many videos of like babies and in, in in I would say babies, but like kids in diapers and they're Fucking screaming at a cop who comes to solve a domestic dispute, and so I don't. I don't think this is. I don't think this is far fetched.
0: Um, so this is when he was nine. So then they jumped to, in in the interview that I saw, uh, that some at some time he served in the army during Vietnam, and he was rumored to have been in some special forces of some sort. But he would have been seven years old when the Gulf of Tonkin took place. This this
1: is where I have a problem. Was what you were telling me that right here?
0: So, the I remember watching the last of the troops pull out of Vietnam. I was five years old, and you had five bodies. Yeah, I, I had five bodies had and slinging heroin. Yeah, you know, slinging and heroin, and uh, I ran to a, a, a beer distributorship too, <laughs> <laughs> like. I just don't see it. Anyway, he would have been 18 when the final troops, 17 or 18 when the final troops were pulled out of Vietnam in 1975. So the only thing I will give him is the interviewer said, hey, when you were in the army, were you special forces or something? Because it, there was rumors that you were being, that guys were being sent back and you were being sent in. And he goes like, oh, I can't talk about that. Hmm. um so if they're saying in 75 when guys were coming in out that he went in with the special forces maybe but if he went in the military just say he went in at 17 he goes in at 17 he does his boot camp he does his infantry school and then he Goes to uh, special forces school, whatever, whatever special force he was in. That's got to be almost a year's worth of training before he goes.
1: Uh, I would think so, too.
0: And his first assignment is to go into a covert operation in a war that we just pulled out of. I don't know. It just that doesn't add up for me, and that's where when I heard that, I, I from there on I, I treated everything else with skepticism. I mean, you know,
1: for me, I feel sometimes that yeah, my first in- instinct is like, this this is bullshit. But on the other hand, the government has its tentacles, and every fucking thing in the world don't worry about it, um, and. would it be uncommon for them to like use these guys as like cannon fodder? I I know.
0: Well, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my train of thought. If the government is going to send troops back into a place that we have signed a treaty with and pulled out of, you would think they would send experienced guys in who, if they got caught, wouldn't like be the first thing to do is crack under pressure. You know what I mean? If he's an 18 year old sure. kid, he hasn't seen shit in life. Sure. Other than the streets of Detroit. And maybe that made him a tough guy, and that's fine. But I mean, sometimes
1: I feel like our government takes poor people and sends them into war just to get rid of them.
0: I don't think that. I think that they exploit people of lower means to get them in the military, they entice them with uh, uh, the benefits of being a military person because they have no other choice other than to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the kids.
1: When when all the pieces are there to be picked up, where's the great government that sent them there? Nowhere to be found.
0: I went in the Navy instead of going in the Marine Corps because the Marine Corps, what they wanted me to do, I would have had to go two years of college first. And for me, it was just, I needed to get out of the situation I was in. So I went in the Navy. So um, now <clears throat> here's something else. After he killed somebody at nine, at some point he was put in juvenile detention. Um, supposedly he spent four years in juvenile detention.
1: The the timeline is not adding up for me.
0: No, no. It, there, there's thirty years from the time he was nine till he was eighteen. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in nine years, he's got about thirty years worth of of stories. Right. Um. Also, the other thing was, is at at that age, the age he was when when he turned eighteen. He would no longer be have to re, he was what no longer required to register for the draft because the draft had ended because they were pulling the troops out. So, if he's this kid on the streets of Chicago making all this money, slinging his dope, why would he go in the military? I didn't he have some kind of
1: arrangement? That's what I was understanding. They had some kind of arrangement for kids like that where you were fuck up, like you either go to jail or the military.
0: That did happen a lot during World War II. It happened a lot during Vietnam. It happened a lot during Korea. Uh, however, they were, it's still the end of the war.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard. I mean, I don't know.
0: The timing just doesn't wrap up for me. No, so. it
1: doesn't. Totally does not wrap at
0: so all. After he gets out of juvie and after he does his uh, stint as a, a fucking Green Beret... uh. That is so hard to like, that that's the part. How,
1: how old would he have been as a Green Beret?
0: I well, I don't know if he was a Green Beret. It just said some spe- actually, well, Green, whatever Green Beret's Air Force, is it isn't it?
1: No, it's Army.
0: Is it? Yeah. Oh, fuck. So Army sucks. Um <clears throat> Thank you usually, for
1: usually you see like a Green Beret guy, he's like an older, experienced, yeah, veteran. I'm not to say that that's what they all are, but I can't imagine a nine-year-old kid as a Green Beret. <laughs> <laughs> <Nine-year-old>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, does, it... but okay, let's go. I don't so, want
0: to. I don't want to be jump ahead here. Uh, so, <clears throat> during the eighties, Detroit and the rest of the country is going through the huge crack epidemic. Like, crack was everywhere in the eighties. That's all you heard about.
1: Like, I feel like. Honestly, my honest opinion is I feel like this was the government's way to get rid of black people. I I I don't want to I know I maybe I not necessarily that. black people but getting rid, getting rid of a a certain <clears throat> genre of people or sect of people that they didn't feel
0: I will go as far as saying it is uh... Poor people have been exploited by coaxing them into the military. That's as far as I'll go.
1: Sure. I feel like it's cannon fodder.
0: Well, in, in any battle, you're going to lose, you're going to have casualties. Uh, I just. Well, absolutely.
1: But, you know, I don't know. I mean.
0: <laughs> so uh, the crack epidemic is, is at its height. Uh, Nate Boone began working with uh, a gang called best friends gang. Um, Now during the interview, it kind of came out, slipped out that he was one of the people who started the gang, but they didn't out and out say that. Like it it was kind of like they breezed past it and they didn't go back to it. So I don't know if if he started this gang, if he's a co-founder what what the deal was, or they were just trying to make you think he started the gang. I don't know, but he was involved in this gang. And uh, if you go and you research the thing of Boomcraft, you're going to find the same series of information on almost every site.
1: So he would have been what in his late 20s? In the 80s? Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. Eighteen. You think he said he's born in '57?
1: Eighteen in '75, twenty-two in
0: 1980, mid mid to <laughs> mid to late. So okay, twenties. He's mid to eight, mid to late twenties,
1: mid to late twenties. Who has this past behind him? Yes, he was army, whatever, Green Beret. Mm.
0: and i keep seeing a a picture always pops up with him on the cover of like soldier of fortune or something really i don't know if it's a fake picture i don't even know if it's him for sure but when (sighs) you research him and you go to images that picture pops up everywhere
1: oh it's so weird like why why is this happening
0: i don't know so that if you research it there's, there's scarce information all the websites say it pretty much the same thing and it all comes from this interview. And the documentary like you
1: you would think that like a kid who was selling crack had already three bodies on his on his uh, belt uh by the time of nine um <laughs> did whatever to win the green Berets he's most likely probably not gonna wind up a, a war hero would you agree maybe I don't know uh-huh.
0: he, uh, he also and then to revert to what he's doing now he also did uh tough man competitions and he claims to have TKO'd Butterbean.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: So, uh, the interview on YouTube has the information that cannot be verified, and likely I don't know if this timeline is even possible. Um, This guy's a farce. So, let's go to the Best Friends Gang. The Best Friends Gang in Detroit, 1980, is a notorious criminal organization. Which is legit. Yes, it was legit. It, it, It did exist. Uh, for their involvement in various legal activities. Um, Here are some bullet points about them. Their formation, uh, best friend gang was formed in early 1980s, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, The gang was led by a charismatic, ruthless leader whose identity remains mostly unknown due to the secretive nature of the organization. So they had a shadowy figure at the head of the organization.
1: This might have been
0: the guy. So it was, it was probably hey, what, what
1: he was not nine, a nine year old green beret.
0: It was Dr. Evil or something. Really? <laughs> uh, the gang was primarily involved in drug trafficking, particularly dis- distribution of crack cocaine, uh, which was a significant problem in Detroit during that era. It was a significant problem in the United States during that era. Uh, they controlled several neighborhoods in Detroit right. and had a stronghold on drug distribution in those areas. They had a very violent reputation. Uh, The gang was uh, infamous for extreme, extreme violent violence and ruthlessness. Uh, They were responsible for like a whole bunch of murders, drive-by shootings, uh, turf wars with gang rival gangs. Uh, Especially the young boys incorporated and chamber brothers gangs. So they had these gang wars with them and they, the, the, Blood was running in the streets in Detroit. Uh, it, okay, there is something very interesting about and this. Wait, wait, wait till the, I get to it. Uh, there was rumored to be ties to law enforcement that law enforcement were uh, either paid off or um, corrupt in a way that would help the gang.
1: Huh? That would never happen
0: and that made it difficult for the uh, police to dismantle the organization especially not in Detroit. So the decline by the late 80s early 90s law enforcement efforts to combat the gang intensified leading to several high profile arrests and convictions. This marked the decline of the Best Friends Gang. So when they say law enforcement I'm com- I'm thinking FBI something out of state a a federal task force of some sort
1: yeah anything you well you gotta think too that the whole time there anything gang related would have been a higher not your local police per se
0: right so the gang's legacy is one of violence drug trafficking destruction in detroit uh it serves as a grim reminder of the challenges faced by law enforcement combating organized crime uh uh, the Best Friends Gang and other Detroit-based gangs have been portrayed in vi- various films, documentaries, books, uh, contributing to their enduring presence in pop culture. Huh.
1: I'd never heard of them until
0: I watched the thing and I told you. Now, I, I've seen other stuff about Best Friends Gang. because What the fuck kind of name is that? So uh, not longer after he joined the gang, he was raking in $50,000 a hit for killing people, not only for the best friends gang, but also for other drug kingpins in the area. Uh, Kraft had little to no remorse. And he saw his killings as just a business, a business transaction. It wasn't personal. It was business.
1: Let me ask you this a little side note. So <clears throat> from all the research I've done, and I'll re- I'll totally relate this to this. So you have the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski, well-known hitman, killed tons of people. He was rumored to have worked with the mob. Then you have um, um, Michael Franzese come out, well-known in the mob, did time, came out, still making podcasts to this day. You just, why would, when we all took an oath that we could do something, take care of business, why would we hire an outside guy to do a hit for fifty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, whatever it was, when we can use our own guys to do the same thing for nothing. That's was it, that's what was expected of you. I don't know.
0: So and put I that, <coughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. I honestly think fifty thousand dollars for a hit back then is a lot of money.
1: Fuck yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like these mob guys were saying, Yeah, we don't need to pay you. Our own guys will do this for free because of the family oath. So I'm sure this structure was set up the same way. Like, what the fuck are we gonna pay some outside guy when we could just hire some young buck? You know, he'll do it for like twenty bucks. Yeah. You know, and get his get his name in there, you know, make his bones.
0: Yeah, I I I agree. Yeah. But
1: anyways, just something to something to chew on.
0: Um he was known as a dangerous and ruthless person in the Detroit underworld he was quoted by saying someone pays me to hit you I'm gonna hit you don't get it wrong I believe in money friendship no I don't have friends this
1: guy kind of sounds like maybe a serial killer to me like he yes he was killing people but he necessarily wasn't that much involved with this organization he was just saying that you know I don't know, for whatever reason, but he was just psycho killing people.
0: He was known for getting his, his mark, uh, and and he was also known for not getting caught. He, was, he prided himself on not getting caught. Well, okay, then, then maybe you were good at your job. Uh, it was rumored he was not only an assassin for drug kingpins, but also for the police, taking contracts for anyone who could afford to pay his price. Here's the thing, dude. Why would the cops need a hitman? Um, like, well, like, if they're
1: corrupt as fuck, yeah, I would. I would assume you would need a hitman. Like
0: if, if if a cop was that corrupt that they're going to hire a hitman, they could dispose of anybody without problem.
1: Yeah, they have a lot more legal avenues than they the already have. Partisan. No
0: fucking morals if they're if they're mm. corrupt. Mm. So it says he had a mercenary mentality and his military training made him a master at his craft. You know, when he was a Green Beret in Vietnam.
1: <laughs> World War II, NOM.
0: <laughs> so, as the authorities uh, closed in on the Best Friends gang, uh, they also closed in on Kraft. Uh, Kraft chose to flip on the organization in order to get a better prison sentence. He confessed to 30 murders and then testified against the members of the best friend gang. In return, he was given immunity for his murders. So this is saying he was given immunity for his murders. And then there's one report that says he spent 17 to 20 years in federal prison. There's another report that says 17 years in federal prison for informants. And then another report that he spent 19 years in uh, witness protection. Huge difference between all three.
1: So, all by all counts, this guy should be like, uh, like nine hundred years, years old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, this is the part that I, I found uh very interesting. Allegedly, Kraft was offered one hundred twenty-five thousand by Gil Hill to kill a drug deal, a drug trafficker named Richard Worshy, Jr., aka White Boy Rick. And this is a quote from Kraft: "I was told to kill White Boy Rick." He said. Hundred twenty five thousand. I'll make I'll make sure you you get get it as long as this boy is dead, he was told. His keyword was dead. So do you know who Gil Hill is? No. Okay. It may not mean anything to you, but he was an inspector in Detroit police. He was also the president of the um city council. He was also an actor who played inspector Todd in Beverly Hills cop movies. Hmm. It was the only acting he did. He was offered other roles. He didn't take them, but he did do all three Beverly Hills cops movies. Hmm. Do you remember inspector Todd? He was a guy who was always yeah. yelling at, at, at Eddie Murphy.
1: I watched the movies. I don't remember. Them.
0: Yeah. I, I always remembered Spe- inspector Todd. I always did. So, uh, Gil was a former Detroit homicide cop, president of city council. He was also a, an inspector in Detroit. And I, I already mentioned this, that he spent 17 years in prison. And then uh, the other reports is seven, uh, time and witness protection program, blah, 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 blah. So after he was released from whatever, one said when he get out when he got out of the witness re- relocation program, one said when he was released from prison, um he moved back to Detroit where he initially received some threats, but those threats have since died down. Uh, watching the YouTube interview has some great entertaining stories. Not much is verifiable where I research. And by his own admission, he spent much of his life in jail. So I don't know he had time to do any of this shit. <laughs> and
1: oh uh, well I'm gonna know, tell you, you I cut, know how people lie.
0: I cut my research short because my bullshit meter was going off the fucking charts.
1: Well, yeah, when you're nine nine years old, serving in the Army Rangers in Vietnam, <laughs> <It's> like... yeah, <laughs> dead ringer.
0: <clears throat> I mean, nine years old when the Gulf of Tonkin took place, <clears throat> the pullout of Vietnam. He was eighteen or nineteen, or eight seventeen or eighteen. I I don't know.
1: Hey, listen, man the army don't take retards. Well, I'm sure they take some retards, but
0: actually I actually watched a video that during Vietnam, they were intentionally taking mentally handicapped people into the army. Like Forrest Gump. throw. Yeah. Like, well, yes, but, but basically it's cannon fodder the way you said. Yeah. <clears throat> I just, I just watched a video on that the other day.
1: And that's sad. Like, like, the uh, like what, our government would consider unworthy like minorities, like people that are normal people like me and you, but these rich assholes are so fucked up in the head. They got millions of dollars. Like, wow, these people don't obviously are stupid. Well, no, they're not, you know, but they consider us. I I think I would fall into that category. Stupid. Yeah. Like, no, you're not stupid. Like you, well, I know I'm not stupid. These idiots would think I am.
0: I might call you a dumbass from time to time, but I don't think you're stupid.
1: <clears throat> you know, and just... You know, the, the whole thing with the world population, they want the whole thing down, dumb the numbers down, get rid of people. Oh, you
0: talk about New World Order shit.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's been going on on forever. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not a conspiracy. <clears throat> but that's a whole different topic.
0: Yeah, that's not one I want to get into.
1: So, I mean, anyways, I... This guy sounds like he's full of shit. He might have killed one or two, maybe not 30. But like I said before, like when you have a mob organization, you know, you take an oath to go into this organization and you're like, you have to do something for us. Oh yeah. That will tell us that you are a part of this so, organization. So they have
0: something to hold over your head.
1: Yes. And that means killing somebody. I go down, you go down. They will not admit that. So you join the mob, you got to kill somebody. So why would we hire... Somebody else for fifty thousand dollars. When we say, "Hey, Mike," you know, you, you're gonna be counting. Well, like you gotta kill this guy, or we'll kill you. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like they, they're not in the, in the business of losing money; they're in the business of making money.
0: Yeah. So I I find the whole thing hinky.
1: Yeah, and then, so
0: I I well here's what I, I'm gonna put this out there, Nate Booncraft. If you want to call me and clear your name and come on the show <clears throat> and and convince me that none of this is bullshit, tell me where my theories are wrong. Uh, you, you just get a hold of us with uh, our Instagram or make, leave a comment here, whatever, and uh, message me on on Facebook, whatever. I don't care. I'll message you back. We'll set it up. You come on the show and you tell me how I'm wrong.
1: We got two open spots.
0: Yes, we do. We could do it remote.
1: I'll preferably,
0: I'll, I'll, yeah, preferably remote, <laughs> <laughs> with no knives or guns, because <laughs> I don't want. I'm saying that's one.
1: You're 31, <laughs> motherfucker.
0: So, uh, we took on Nate Boonecraft, former hitman accused of killing 30 people. Now you go take on the world. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network head over to network.com. That's deluxeditionnetwork.com Hold on to that.
1: Welcome back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even Flirvers who... Who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is going to go downhill real quick. <laughs>